0: Teach Me To Code Podcast, Episode 24, Continuous Integration. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Teach Me To Code Podcast. This is your host, as always, Charles Maxwood. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about, um, uh, sorry about that, my mind just blanked. We're going to be talking about continuous integration. Um, to continuous integration well before we get started uh, first off I'd, I'd like to invite everybody to to give me some feedback. so if, if there's something that you want to tell me about the show if there's something you want to hear about you know you have thoughts I've been thinking a lot about agile programming lately so if you have thoughts on that I'd really love to hear what you have to, to say uh, you can call into the the comment line at 801 753 8279, or you can just email me. My email address is chuck at com, and uh, I would just love to get those emails and answer any questions that you have. Um, you can also find us on the freenode.net IRC. Um, there's a channel there, Teach Me to Code, and uh, you know, again, just I, I love chatting with the people that come into the channel. Um, I've been trying to get a little bit more involved in some of the other channels like the Ruby on Rails channel or the the Ruby Channel. Um, my handle on there is Woody Two Shoes. So you know, look for me there, and uh, you know, just just say hi. And let me know what's going on. Um, I've also had a few people uh, jump on via Skype and tell me what that they like, either the screencast or the podcast. So you know, again, any feedback is is more than welcome, and and I really just love hearing from you guys. So you know even if it's just a, a, a pat on the back or you have some issue with something I've said either way you know just just let me know um... now let's get into continuous integration a little bit um, some people also call uh, continuous integration servers build servers um... excuse me um, there are two uh... built servers that i've actually used um, The first one is CruiseControl.rb and I've I've come to find out that there are other uh, versions, I guess, of CruiseControl. There's a .NET version. I think there might be a Java version. Um, The the Ruby version is actually pretty simple. Um, And basically what it does is you you give it a project and uh, it pulls the code from your uh, source code uh, repository And then what it does is it basically runs scripts, or you can also um, use rake tasks. And rake is just a utility written in Ruby. It's kind of like make um, that you can build tasks into, and then um, you can just run those tasks against your code. So, you know, typically you would see it run uh, your test suite, or, you know, you can run metrics or things like that. Um, But what you would probably wind up doing is actually splitting those out into separate projects. Um, i think the terminology threw me off a little bit because really what they are is their tasks and uh... it, it has all the flexibility you can also run a bash script so um, that's something that's pretty nice so you can actually build out an entire script of things that you want it to do um, the problem that i had with that was that the exit code on the bash script is actually what determines whether it passes or fails and as you can imagine, if you have, um, if you run your tests first and then you run something else later, and whatever you run later returns with a successful response, then your project doesn't go red. It doesn't tell you, oh, this failed. So you know, I actually had to do some, some uh, conditions in my bash script to tell it to save an environment variable that told it whether or not it had failed at any point. Um, now one other issue that we had in particular at, at my current job was that our uh, application stack isn't Ruby front to back so we were actually trying to build um, flex or flash from flex uh, compile things down into a, a shockwave file or a swift file and um, anyway there, there, it just wasn't as seamless uh, is what we found. So those guys kept saying, well, we're used to Hudson, we like Hudson. So I thought, well, I keep hearing about Hudson, so I gave it a shot. And so I've been, we've been using Hudson for the past little while. It seems a little bit more stable, and I like the way that it breaks apart the tasks. Um, one other thing I like is that if, if, if it fails at any point during the task, it'll just immediately halt the entire build and uh, you know basically notify you that the build failed which is to me really what i would like to see anyway um, it doesn't have the complete flexibility that you would have running um, under under cruise control and what i mean by that is it seems like it sets up its own environment under the jvm and um, and then it, it runs everything so sometimes dns doesn't work out quite right or, you know, it it doesn't set up an environment exactly like what we would be running in production, or even in development, and so sometimes it just has funny issues with that. But generally, it works pretty well. Um, one other problem that we had was that uh, one of the people that I work with uh, upgraded Hudson and didn't tell anybody, and uh, we're running it on a Mac OS X machine, and a Snow Leopard machine, and basically... Um, the new version started failing certain tasks um, because there was a requirement for an upgrade to the JVM uh, since uh, Hudson runs on Java. So anyway, um, that's a real quick rundown. And I guess I probably should have started out by explaining what continuous integration is. Um, Basically the idea is, is you have a routine set of things that you want to happen Whenever you check in your code or every five minutes or maybe just every day, you know, at a certain time, you know, whatever that is, you know, you want to be able to measure something about your code. Um, So, for example, you know, you typically will set it up to run your unit tests and then you'll get the report back that says that you have, you know, four failing tests and in our case there are like 450 uh, test cases that we run um, and so it'll, you know, it'll tell you all of that and if you have a long running test case meaning anything over two or three minutes uh, it's really hard for people to continuously be running it on their own machines and so the build server becomes even more important because then it can just take that and it can run it on a delayed basis nobody's waiting on it in order to continue development and then they can just check it every so often and, and figure out who broke the build um, the other thing that I've actually found uh, the continuous integration machine to be useful for was um, you can actually set up tasks in, in it that uh, you can trigger on your own. So you, you basically tell it, you know, don't check the repository. So let me back up. Uh, usually what you do is you set up a time frame for it to check the repository. So you can say, check the repository every five minutes. If something's changed... Check out the repository and then do this stuff. And so, in our case, we have the tests running, and then we also have another task on the back end, which is the Ruby on Rails, um, which runs metric foo. And there's actually a screencast for that um, on the Teach Me to Code screencasts. So, you know, then what we can do is we can look and we can see what our test coverage is, we can see where um, our more complex code is. You know, we can, we can use that to pinpoint all of the different areas that we're interested in in our app. Um, so anyway, um, what I was uh, driving at was that we, we're using Capistrano to do our deployments. And not everybody on our team is technical enough well, or familiar enough with the command line to be comfortable going and running a cap deploy command, uh, which is how you deploy in Capistrano. So what I've done is I've actually been able to set up a task in Hudson that basically deploys our our application. And, you know, it deploys it to the test server and to the stage server. There are two separate tasks for that. Um, And then there's a third task that actually merges changes from test to stage to the stage branch, and then deploys it to stage. Um, and that, that's that been really key for our QA people because then rather than having to figure out how Capistrano works, all they have to do is go in and start a build. And those don't run on a regular basis. Um, the deploy to test actually is triggered by the the, the test build. And um, so that's really handy because we basically have... Uh, a running version of our current code out there somewhere where people can go and look at it, and trust me, there are a lot of people looking at it. So if you break something, you get a pretty good idea up front, and then you don't have the broken Windows problem, which is something that they talk about in um, the Pragmatic Programmer's book. Um, But you don't have that problem where something gets broken, um, and then, you know, people just ignore it, and then something else gets broken, because you have those notifications up front. Um, I guess you can have the broken windows problem in the sense that if you ignore the notification that tests are failing or the build is broken and then you you can then allow and perpetuate other problems that find their way into the code. Um, so anyway, um, he, the benefits that I've really seen from this basically uh, come down to a couple of things. One is, is that we basically have automatic deployment to the test uh, setup. Uh, the other thing that I've, I've seen really useful is just the fact that as soon as somebody checks in within five minutes, we know if they did something that broke one of our tests. And the tests are kind of our canary in the mineshaft that, that basically um, lets lets us know that, you know, there have been critical changes to some part of the code so I mean, when it really boils, what it really boils down to is, you know, we we have that upfront notification, um, you know. So if somebody breaks something, it'll get caught in the repository or on the test server before it ever goes to production, and that's really important because we don't want our customers to see the you know the bugs in our code. We we want to catch them before they get out. Um, one other thing I think is is key. There are a couple of things that, if you're not doing these things, then you know your continuous integration server just isn't as useful. Uh, one is writing unit tests. Um, if you're not writing unit tests, then you're you're missing a, a very important component to this, because you know the the build machine is there to give you this information. Now, if you have a compiled project like our Flex. Um, like our Flex front end, it, it compiles to Flash. Um, then you, you do have kind of that uh, notification because if it won't compile, then you have a problem. But, you know, I, I don't feel like you should be counting on the compiler to tell you if there's a problem. Um, you should be running unit tests that, that let you know where the problems are because it's not just whether or not you have syntactical errors. Uh, that you should be looking for but actual functionality areas and making sure that your code works as expected so you know th- this really does give you that kind of information um, one other thing that I found has been extremely just useful um, with this is uh, like I said you know you're, be able- you're able to set up these tasks um, we have metric foo running once a day is all and so we can basically see whether our stats got better or worse on a day-to-day um, basis and and this this is something that's interesting because metric foo actually has the capability and we have it set up to um, to track the, the changes from day to day so we can see that test coverage went up or down we we can see that our code complexity went up or down you know we we can we can see that uh, we have more problems or more potential problems more code smells um, if you go back and, and listen to uh... kevin rutherford's talk about reek, REIT. reek's part of that uh... tool set um, you know you, you you get all of these reports and they're all graphed out for you so you can see okay our code base is getting better or our code base is getting worse and um, if you come into a project where you know you don't have a lot of test coverage or things like that then basically you're dealing with a legacy system and when you're doing that what you're really looking for is for those metrics to be getting better um, you know you, you don't you can't expect to see your test coverage go from zero to hundred percent in you know in a couple of days uh... it's just not realistic so you know, but if you see it improving day after day after day then you know that, that whatever your process is is working and if you see it going down 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 then you know that there's something that you need to address, that will will help you ultimately make it to uh, to where you're trying to get to with your code, and you know what you what you're probably trying to get to is you know um, is your code to work. I mean that's really what it what it boils down to. Um, you know you want an awesome product that, that works, and uh, and and this is a tool that really helps you maintain that. It helps you avoid the, the broken windows problem by telling you that a window got broken and that it needs to be fixed um, before you get to the point where it's like, okay, let's scrap this and redo this. And, and this is something that I actually saw when I was working for PMA Media Group. Um, we, we, we made some mistakes on the project that we were working on. Um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that a lot of us were learning about the domain that we were programming in, Um, they're they're a lead generation uh, place, and you know, we just didn't really understand what we were trying to build. And, you know, there there was a lot of scope creep and things like that, and so I, you know, I can push some of the blame, but a lot of the blame just came down to um, you know, we built a really complicated, highly coupled system, and we weren't watching these things to make sure that our code was getting better and not worse. And if we had been, yeah, I don't know that it would have helped us avoid having to rewrite the product, but uh, ultimately, you know, it really would have helped us um, avoid some of the problem, problems that we did have with the system. Well, that's, that's pretty much all I have on continuous integration. Um, I, I hope this helped. I know I kind of uh, started off backward. I started off... In the middle of what I wanted to cover, and then started over and covered the beginning, but you know it's it's an important topic, and uh, you know if if you want to see a screencast on how to set that up, uh, go over to teachmetocode.com. Um, you can actually make a request, or if there's a request in for it, you can vote it up. Um, like I said, I've done cruise control and Hudson, so you know you can even be more specific, and instead of saying um, continuous integration, you can actually say that you want a screencast on one or the other. Um, and I'm I'm really just trying to go from the top of that list all the way down. So the faster you can push it up, uh the better. Um, if you want help, I'm also willing to help. You can go to, like I said, the IRC uh channel on freenode.net and uh it's Teach Me to Code all one word, all lowercase, and uh my handle's Woody Two Shoes, and you can just ask me to you know, you can ask me when you run into snags, uh, how to work around them. Um, you can also email me, chuck, at teachmetocode.com. I'm happy to help if I get totally inundated with emails. You know, I, I do have a day job, so I'll, I'll answer as many of them as I can. But, uh, you know, I, I want to be out there and I want to help people. I want to figure out uh, where you guys are having problems. And then I want to go ahead and, um, you know, solve those problems as best I can. So, you know, go go ahead and uh, let me know. I've also been playing with Rails 3 lately, so if you want to hear more about that or, you know, anything like that, then then go ahead and let me know. Um and uh that that's pretty much it. Uh one last thing, uh give me a call 801-753-8279. That is a uh feedback voicemail number. I I won't answer it. Um but if you leave a message and you leave your phone number, um, I may call you back. One final thing, that this podcast is sponsored by New Relic. New Relic is really the, the, the best uh, project uh, monitoring tool out there. You know, and all the big boys use it, uh, 37 Signals, Shopify. I mean, if you've heard of them, they're probably using New Relic. And uh, the, the cool thing about New Relic is, and, and I think this is something that's uh, true to a lot of people, is that, you know, you want to try something out for free. And, and they have a free light version. Um, I think it's going to be free forever. Um, and, and that's what I've been using for the last little while. And, and honestly, I, I think it's just awesome. Um, for, for some of my smaller products or projects, The the light version is all I really need, so go check them out. Uh, You can find them at www.newrelic.com and tell them that I sent you. Uh, And and that's it. So go out there, build great code, uh, have some fun, and, uh, you know, email me or call me and, and let me know what I can do to help you out. Thanks.